Hello everyone and welcome back to the Moringa podcast. Uh, today is an exciting day. We are joined by two of our own. Uh, so today we'll be talking about a Kenyan, from a Kenyan's perspective, the experience of freelancing in this country. And we have the perfect guests for this, Newton and James. And I'll let the rest of the crew introduce myself. My name is Victor Ireri. Hi guys, it's Melissa. Hi guys, this is Eugene. Michelle. Hi guys, it's Kevin. All right, so James and Newton, introduce yourselves, please. Uh, hi guys, my name is Newton. Um, Newton, a brother to a brother to Victor. Yes. Um, so as he has introduced us, I'm a freelancer. I've been freelancing for the last eight years. This is eight nine years. Yeah, eight nine years. I'm based in Kenya. And I'm um, G- James Jimmy. Mm. That's what I'm used to. And I'm also a brother to Victor. Mm. We've also been pre- we've been freelancing together with Newton for eight years, yeah. Okay, so uh, Newton and James, would you kindly just walk us through your life uh, from beginning to how you, st- you got started in freelancing mm. and to where you feel like you are right now? And mm-hmm. let's start with Newton. Just walk us through your story. All right. Um, so started freelancing the year 2010. 2010 is when I joined campus. I joined campus uh, August. So towards the end of the year, that's when I started uh, freelancing just to earn a few coins to survive in campus, of course, you know. And um, so I started off by, by doing intense research because there's nowhere I could find information, especially in the local setting. Mm. So I... Uh, I went through a lot of Joker websites in the process, registering. Actually, to date, I still have that email address, the one that I used to register those accounts. Eh? So I, I, I still get some of those emails. And um, so, so many Joker websites until one day I bumped on a website called Odesk. Mm. So on Odesk, I went to the easiest section that was article writing. I got my first gig. It was a gig by an Indian, mm-hmm. uh, around 30 cents, dollars per article, each article being 500 words. So that day I was so excited, went home. Back then we did not have, internet was not very accessible. So went home. Uh, bought a few bundles. It was like 30 MB. Uh, wrote the entire thing. I remember I spent my entire night because it was my first time writing for anyone. Mm. So I wrote the entire night and uh, submitted the work before going to school the following day. Unfortunately, I was not paid <laughs> at, the end, at the end of the day. Mm. And my effort was wasted just like that. But I was excited at the end of the day because... The experience, what the experience taught me is that there's money online. If someone was willing to give me 30 cents, mm-hmm. then from the website, Odeske, I could see that there are people who are making reasonable money. So my goal was to figure out how to make reasonable money from there. Uh, I would say that was my starting point. Mm. Yes. Jimmy, what was your starting point? Mm. After high school... Uh, I, I joined Masha from Ushago. I was very green. Mm-hmm. I had touched a, a computer only once when I was about in class six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, hadn't, I knew nothing about computers. So the first thing was to learn about computers. 
fortunately we had those old desktops at home and I started playing around to the computer. Three weeks later, I was well versed. <laughs> yeah, I, I was spending almost my whole day there. Yeah. It was a very old computer, those with the screen that, with lines that are going up and down. <laughs> you, you feel like you, you've spent three days, only, after spending three hours, you feel like you've been sitting there for three days because of the, of the right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was very bad. But I spent around three weeks and I was good. But when I joined him, it was a bit later after he started. Mm. So he knew about the, the internet a little bit, introduced me. Mm -hmm. Then I never did Odesk. I, I, he introduced me to forums, Warrior Forum. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. So there, there are these forums for internet marketers, yeah? You can join and people discussing everything about internet marketing. Then there's a section where people who have websites that are, that are big enough, they will give you jobs. So that's where we started. But mm -hmm. well, that's why I started. We started applying for those jobs. Mm. And uh, within, a, within a few weeks, a few months, we were getting a lot of jobs. Actually, to explain yeah. that a little better. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So Odesk, Odesk is basically is more of a bidding website. Eh? You go, uh, someone posts a job, and then like 30 people bid, and then the person who has given out uh, the job picks the best person based maybe on their budget or whatever, mm. or the skills that they want. But eventually we realized Odesk was, was, uh, was undercutting us in, in what ways? Eh? Withdrawing the money was very expensive. Mm. Back then, because we were being paid on PayPal, there was no way to get money out of PayPal back then. Then uh, the commissions and all that. So we discovered Warrior Forum in the process. I don't know. Warrior Forum is still there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's basically a freelancing website, a marketing website where people go learn and share ideas and all that. But there was a job section on the forum. Basically, what you go, you go, you create an entire sales pitch. And uh, so in this case, there's no, there's no one, there's no one you're uh, getting commissions from whatever you you put there. Is you and the and the clients directly uh so they were paying us directly through paypal mm -hmm. and it was a big one for us because we got most jobs from there mm. yes now just out of curiosity mm -hmm. uh it is 2010 2011 yes how are you withdrawing money from paypal this long ago in kenya <laughs> there was uh okay they, they didn't know there are people withdraw for you they would they withdraw it to a bank Mm -hmm. Back then, it was not possible. Mm -hmm. There was a, an app, a, a site called Web Money. Mm. It looks like a Chinese or Russian mm -hmm. website. Mm -hmm. You, you send to them, then you can withdraw using a credit card mm -hmm. all to your bank. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I think... The other, I, I remember there was a time we were so desperate. Eh? Mm. We could not get the money out of uh, those sites. Eh? Mm -hmm. So, Odesk had one advantage. Eh? There's a company called Pioneer. Pioneer would ship the card to you. Yes, we started with the, with another account called To Checkout. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, there was To Checkout. Have you heard of it? It sounds familiar. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's still there. So we, at some point, we'd go to Odesk, mm -hmm. give ourselves, like place an order, then pick the order ourselves and pay ourselves so as to withdraw the money through the card mm -hmm. because there's no any other way. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, although, although it's now easier. Along yeah. the way, some people came... People discover there's there's that gap, so guys would get money from PayPal, then send you through M-Pesa, 
but of course exorbitant commissions mm. today it's way better yeah. Yeah. yes mm. and maybe you can walk us through um freelancing like what exactly um you guys do as freelancers so you get a lot of work online um you spoke about article writing in the mm-hmm. beginning mm-hmm. um i'm sure a lot has changed since then yes. but what exactly do you do now um in order to get uh, paid right do you, um, the first thing is to establish yourself as a, a kind of an authority mm-hmm. that that that's where most people don't do most people try to get the, the cheapest kind of jobs yeah. the advantage that we had we established ourselves we had, we even had a website called the mega 5 really? we were we were five so we decided to call it the mega 5 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it was a we, we at creating website service so we would uh, we, we would sell it as a, as a big company with employees people would edit they will deliver the best quality mm-hmm. so we were approaching clients who have who would give us like 50 articles at a time instead of getting one at a time i think that that's the best thing to do mm-hmm. so because now you have the volume to start with mm. you get around 20, 30k in your bank account instantly mm-hmm. so you can hire people to do the work for you yeah that's that was an advantage that we had and we were able to scale it up quite fast and we started employing people wow yeah we would get about 100 articles sometimes So we had to have like 15 eight people working for us the whole day to read the articles and deliver within about 3 4 days. Yeah. 100 articles in 4 days. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, 100 articles from but sometimes you find there are different kinds so one 100 another one 5. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's it was it's not exactly 100 yeah. Just just to add on that eh. Mm. So uh starting on Odesk, Odesk they have for you for you for you to become a verified uh that is a lesson I got from Odesk for you to become a top tier by the way just to clarify this eh? Odesk and those Odesk and Elance they merged to form is it merged is that an English word? they merged <laughs> <laughs> they merged yeah. to form Uh, is it as apoc right now yeah, yeah yeah so if you go search for odesk you might not find it right now it's apoc so one lesson that i got from there is that you have to build your 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 brand yourself as a brand eh? mm. and what they do they take you through tests like you have to do a, a english test you have to a writing test you have to do so many tests mm. and every test you do you increase your score so um by doing that we're able to know that uh, you as a brand you're able to sell yourself easily you're able to get gigs easily so by the time we were coming to to create our own brand the mega five eh, we already had this knowledge at hand we knew that uh, as a brand would go far that's why we created the mega five and um somehow when we were going to elance it it gave us jobs i would say to give us by the time we were stopping by the time we were, we were we stopped doing it we are doing well we are doing about 100 to to 150 articles per week mm. so we the entire team was a team of nine people and um yeah it was good i'd say so did you guys stop doing it like did you start to see um a shift in i guess maybe the orders or the way that technology was changing at what point did you realize okay we need to shift 
our business model or to change what we're doing? Um, the the articulating is the is the basic entry level on the internet. Mm -hmm. So once you've been there for a while, especially when you're doing orders at that magnitude, you start realizing people paying way too much for these articles, and they must be making way much more money than you. And uh, we were spending so much time working on the articles, editing. We would spend we would sleep at around three doing the work. So yeah, it was not sustainable as a long time model. We had to change. And uh, we started trying to understand where, where the clients, what the clients do. So we found, found out some, some of them were doing affiliate marketing mm. with the articles. We started researching mm. into affiliate marketing just to understand what's the, what's the next step above article writing. Mm, exactly. And uh, I was the one who was so much involved with the groundwork of the work of the, of the company mm -hmm. and had to go to campus after about one year, mm -hmm. I couldn't sustain it, so we had to close it, yeah. yeah. And now, after moving, after you realizing that article marketing, uh, article writing is not sustainable and you closed the business, where did you move on from here? And um, how did you choose your next field, which you took on from there? All right, so I'd say we did not stop writing articles entirely. Mm -hmm. I do not want to put off article writing because there are people who still do it. Mm -hmm. And article writing is very lucrative at the moment, yeah. as long as you're able to brand yourself very well. So in our case, it did not, not make sense in our case because personally I was doing a very intensive course. I was doing nursing back then. And nursing, I don't know why it's so intense. It's more like doing medicine if you're doing a degree in nursing. Mm. It's very hectic. So we had to, we, we had to downgrade, uh, downscale the amount of work that we're doing. And... Um, focus more on school and get gigs that would pay us better for, for less effort. Mm -hmm. So I'd say Jimmy pioneered that, that process. Eh? Mm. In the meantime, for one year, we were like just writing articles to sustain us before we got something to, to, to go along with. Mm. Yeah, after the, around that one year, we kind of, Stop talking about hustling. Mm -hmm. He concentrated a lot, a lot on school. I was in Kenya Pori, and uh, I never liked it. <laughs> <laughs> From the word go, uh -huh. it I felt completely off. You know, after after making your first money before university, mm -hmm. now you you go and find lecturers who are telling you you'd be employed, you'd be paid fifty k, and uh, I look at their life and I see mm -hmm. what they are promising you and what they are living mm -hmm. is not at par. Mm. I was spending so uh, even my all all my my classmates knew I would go in, into class. I had a very small laptop, HP. Sit, sit at the back and continue working on my thing. <laughs> at that time, I was trying to build my first website. It was about codes. It was mm. very difficult. I didn't know how to monetize it, and I was still looking for other things. So I started venturing into update marketing. There's a site called ClickBank mm -hmm. where people create products all digital products like like a, a course on dating or mm. a course on losing weight. Mm. And then you can market it for the people. And and then if it sells for $100, you get around 30. Mm. So yeah, that was the next step. I started researching into that, building website, creating traffic for the website. Yeah, and moving into the direction of high, they're called higher ticket products. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jimmy, do you mind if I ask, what were you studying at Campbell? 
construction management. Okay. It was uh, option B for me. <laughs> okay, this is what happened. Eh? <laughs> In high school, I didn't want to be an architect, mm. but uh, I had a B plus. It was not enough. So my best next option was construction management is cross-related in the construction industry. Yeah. This time we used to revise the courses at Nairobi University. I went there, I, you, you, you could pick three. All of them I wrote construction management, construction management, construction management, Kenya Poly, because I wanted to be in town. Mm. I remember I submitted the first time, you used to, to do the line and then you submit. Mm -hmm. They refused because I had chosen, I had chosen one course. Mm -hmm. I waited for lunchtime. They did a shift. Some <laughs> other guys came. The, the, the person who came next was not keen. Mm. <laughs> so I went, I placed it there, and they took it. So I knew I was going to do construction management at Kenya Poly mm. because it's what I wanted. Mm. But I kind of knew I would not finish. Mm. I was doing it because at that point, I was not confident enough that I can, can, that I can break away from that system of go to mm. university, get a job. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I'd say... One of our biggest challenges back then was exposure. Because both of us, like me when I was coming to campus, I left uh, Shags direct to campus. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing. Mm -hmm. mm. And where were Shags? Uh, Kirinyaga. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, Kirinyaga. So I knew nothing. Yeah. So we are not exposed. Mm. We had to learn everything on our own. And uh, the advantage that Jimmy had is that I had learned a bit of it, so I shared the knowledge. Um, but all we knew back then is you should go to campus, study, and get a job. Yes. So I, my question would be, what is the best lesson that you've learned in terms of following your passion instead of just following the, the set the norm. route here? The best lesson, uh, one thing is to understand that it's difficult. Mm -hmm. It's harder than going to through the, the normal route. Mm. You spend a lot of nights, weekends, trying to work on something that is not yet paying you back. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be honest, I've met so many people who are trying to achieve what we have achieved, and not so many people are willing to put, to put in the work. So if you are willing to be honest with yourself and know that you are going to struggle a lot, it's rewarding in the end. Yeah, but it's very rewarding. Once you start realizing, after one year, by the time those people went to university, you realize you're already like five, five, five years Actually, ahead of them. At that stage, you had no friends because yeah. the people that are supposed to be your friends are maybe your, your campus mates yeah. and you're not at the same level. When, when they are thinking of how to spend their free time, you're thinking of how you can get hold of a computer and, uh, you know, so eventually we found ourselves, the circle was just between us. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay, now to ask you, uh, like after now all of these lessons you've learned and you've finished campus, mm -hmm. how did you learn into the fields that you're currently in? Because I, being a brother, I know you're in different fields. <laughs> so can you walk through us like how you ended up being on your end and how you ended up being on your end? Um. The biggest spirit came when I decided to try Forex, mm -hmm. Forex trading, yeah. which was uh, almost two and a half years mistake. <laughs> <laughs> a big mistake. <laughs> yeah. Because I lost a lot of money. Yeah. I lost all, all the progress I'd made before and I was completely broke. So, and then we, we, we are always very close with, mm. my, with my older brother. And at that point... And Victor, don't forget. 
Ja. Ja, but that time we were closer with, with Victor because yes. mm. he was also trying forex. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we we lost contact a bit mm-hmm. with Newton and he went into a different direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think you can tell our listeners a bit more about that forex story? I'm sure there's someone thinking about starting yeah. Yeah. forex. It's it's tough. Mm. I don't. I didn't expect that. You know, I I built this this too much confident in myself. Mm. I didn't think I can fail in anything. Mm. Then I was in this field where completely clueless. Where it's not about what you know. It's about how you can control yourself. Mm, you're trading psychology. Yes. yes. Mm. And I was completely poor at my EQ. Mm. <laughs> Nothing. Mm. So the first few months was just losing money. You invest about 30k, you you make about 10k, and then you lose the whole amount. Mm. Remember, there was a time I made, I, I invested about 250k, uh, 25k Kenyan shillings. Yeah, mm. within a week I had made it to 100k. <laughs> I was very happy. Mm-hmm. Then the next week I was strategizing how I can make it to around one million. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> 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 and uh, I lost it within. Three hours, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the hundred k, everything, yeah. Hundred plus the investment, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I was very greedy at when I was starting. <laughs> mm. You start realizing that in forex you have to be very, very, very cautious. You have to know that it's a very slow process, and uh, the best way is to invest a lot of money and then make small amounts. Mm. Very self-disciplined. Yeah, very self-disciplined. I, I didn't run that lesson fast enough. Maybe I can do it right now, but I can't try. Mm. I realized uh, even those people who do it successfully, yeah, mm. they need a lot of self-discipline and they are always stressed, in my opinion. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because you're, you're trying to constrict yourself to making small gains because, you know, if you try to push it too hard, you can lose it. Mm-hmm. But you also know if you push it hard enough, you can make big. So it, it's a lot of mind game on your part and it's lonely. You can't discuss your strategy necessarily with another person. Everybody thinks different. So at, at the end of the day, it's you and you are alone. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I tried. I, uh, in my, I think my biggest attribute is that I'm consistent and I'm stubborn. So I, I tried for two and a half years, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. making no money. I lost everything. I couldn't even parents, so I had to stay with relatives. Mm-hmm. Mm. Until one day, I decided it is not long enough. About one and a half years ago, I decided, yeah. okay, now I have to stop, and started reconnecting with the old jobs that I had done. Yeah. But this time, I went into a different field. Mm-hmm. I, I, okay, I, I do a lot of research, and in the around that time, I had realized there was a new trend coming up about print on demand. Print on demand is about. You you create designs for like t-shirts or books. You can okay. I think book is the easiest thing to explain. Mm-hmm. If you are an author, yeah. you write a book, but you don't invest money in printing the copies. There are companies that will do the printing of the copy and delivering on demand. If when one person buys, they, they it's delivered every time. So the only the only cost that you have is the time writing the book. Then you, you submit it to their platform and they'll print every time somebody buys. Mm. It was a very good venture for me because I was broke. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I needed something that would push me beyond that initial step. So I started, yeah, I started doing books. Yeah. Wow. I wrote the first books I wrote myself mm-hmm. with my bad English. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, I was also fortunate. It was yeah. around when crypto, have you heard of cryptocurrencies? Yeah, yeah. Yes, of course, yes, of course yes. you have. It's a Czech podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bitcoin. It mm-hmm. was around yeah. when Bitcoin was coming up mm-hmm. and I realized that people would be reading a lot about Bitcoins. Mm-hmm. So my first five books was about cryptocurrency pieces. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin, Ethereum, those cryptocurrencies, mm-hmm. how to discover them, how to how, how they work, mining. the blockchain system, mining, mm-hmm. how to invest in cryptocurrencies. So I would write a book about them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a very good start for me because I, I went right in, into a, a niche that was picking up. Mm. So by the time Bitcoin was about $19,000, everybody was talking about Bitcoin. Mm. Even people don't know about anything about computers. Mm. <laughs> and uh, if you ask me, I would just tell you, I even have books you can buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. of just research. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing research and writing books about yeah, cryptocurrencies. And so once you printed the books, yeah. how would you go about finding clients? Um, and then also once you found the clients, was there anything you were doing to retain those clients or to keep them buying maybe more books or referring other people? Uh, my my biggest selling was Amazon, selling point, yeah? Mm-hmm. Amazon. Amazon has the advantage that they have the clients already. Mm-hmm. So all you do is understand what clients search for on Amazon and they will deal with the rest. They do the email marketing, the retargeting, Amazon are so good at that because yeah, it's a it's a big company. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is find the, the what people are searching for, like in my case, cryptocurrencies. And at that point, when people are searching in, in such big volumes, all you have to do is find the keywords that they are searching for. Like the, the, my biggest quote was uh, beginner beginner's guide to crypt, cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beginner's guide, and yeah, it was a very very strong keyword, and you could make about maybe 50 sales per day at its best. Yeah. Did you say 50 sales? Yeah. 50 books? 50 books per day, yeah. And then mm. how much would you make per book? About $2. $2 per book. Mm. Yeah. So one thing I've realized from you is mm. you're very versatile. Exactly. And mm. you, you have a keen ability to learn. Mm. So how do you go about, what, can, what, what advice can you give our listeners who are, when it comes to learning new things, and picking up new skill and skills and acquiring new information. And also, another thing is, you also seem to have like your finger on the pulse of whatever is going to come next, mm. like future trends. So you're good at forecasting in a particular sense to it. Mm. So also, what advice can you give on that? How do you um, build on your current experience and your current information to see or to identify the future trends that will emerge and optimize on them and capitalize on them. Yeah. Um, so the first thing is you, you study, you, you, when you find something that looks interesting, mm-hmm. trying, trying is the key. Mm-hmm. I try a lot. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I have about 3,000 books on Amazon. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I try a lot, it's, it's not an accident that mm-hmm. you find yourself with a, with a strong niche that is working. Every time I'm trying, mm. 
Yeah, that's that's the only secret. Mm. I don't know. It's not it's not a very big revelation. You have to keep trying, trying, mm. trying, trying. Yeah. Like uh, like now I'm trying Easter, Easter doing doing Easter research. So I'm trying to publish as much as I can about mm. Easter. Mm. Just find a, a something that looks interesting. Try it, try it, try it. And that's how you create new trends. That's how you you catch up on trends before they are big. Every time you just keep trying. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I catch trends a bit late. Like uh, this week, I was riding on a trend that I'd caught a bit late, but it also worked very well for me. Mm-hmm. So as you run, you, you also study other people. You see what's working for them right now, and then you try it. Yeah, trying is the, is the secret. Mm. Also, yeah. you've also, since you've done a lot, mm. you've also failed a lot. Right. So how <laughs> <laughs> emphasis on the how do you lot. handle that failure? Mm-hmm. How 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 do you make sure that it doesn't really beat you down? Because the people who after failing once or twice, they lose that zeal that they have to, to keep on going. So they lose momentum and they just decide, oh, okay, I'll just go back to the normal grain of life. Yeah. So how do you keep that 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 momentum? How do you still, let's say, keep hope up? Yeah. Um. I rant, I think that was the reason that I ran from Forex, yeah? Mm-hmm. Forex traders, especially the most successful ones, they, they take about, if you take about 100 trades, only about 30 of them will be profitable. Mm-hmm. So you have to run to understand to manage the losing trades. Mm-hmm. You have to run to manage your losses. So you have to run to lose, losses. yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to be good at losing. And uh, <laughs> I, that's something that I front. It, mm. It's in every in everything that you do. Mm. You have to be good at losing. When you try something and it doesn't work, move fast and try another thing. Mm. You just have to keep trying. And then when one thing starts working, you, you build the confidence knowing that the process of trying something works. Mm. I think after persistence for, for a while, you start realizing that after some time, things work things work out and it gives you the confidence to keep failing mm. yeah mm. do you have any like memorable failures like hey you're in the kid apart from forex oh, apart from forex yeah, yeah. yeah. um i tried I, I i've invested in some books yeah when i started making some money mm-hmm. the, my first books that i invested in i i, I ordered three books about $300, I was still broke, mm-hmm. but I decided to go all in. <laughs> I, I did some research on a book about, one was about half marathon, a guide on how to do half marathon, another one was some recipe book, and uh, I was hoping that they were going to be big hits because I thought I'd done enough research, and they didn't work out. So my $300 was gone, I was had to start over and then go back to writing because I don't I didn't like writing. I was spending uh, I was trying to I was writing books quite fast. Mm-hmm. At that point, around two days, around ten thousand words. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I can but no sleep. Two days. Two days. Yeah. And like with references, bibliography. No, no, these are just sim- yeah. simple books, yeah. Yeah. Just write you go straight to the point, what is cryptocurrency? Mm. What is Bitcoin? Who started Bitcoin? 
what is blockchain? Yeah, you know, basic stuff, not mm. not the most complicated books. Not not some fiction by Jan Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's mostly research. You do quick research yeah. and spin it to a book faster, faster, ah, fast. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I'm curious, did you when when um, cryptocurrency was like a huge trend? Did mm. you invest in mining or what yeah. cryptocurrency for yourself? Fortunately, I had enough experience with Forex to know anything. <laughs> 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 Everything that goes that fast high, it mm. has to go down. It has to go down. Yeah, I remember. So I only invested five dollars. Mm. It went up to twenty dollars, and mm. then now I think it's about. I've never even touched it. It's now <laughs> around three dollars. I still looked into it. I still look into it. Yeah. But I'm not convinced it will. It's it's time yet. Okay. Maybe maybe in the in, in some times to come. Mm. But right now. I'm not convinced. It was very emotional oriented mm. Mm. because the people who are investing are people who have no idea what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the people who knew what they were doing had, had gotten way too early when it was about a dollar. Right. You know, like the, what they call the micro sentence, the one who had invested in Facebook. You know, when the two bros, the two bros, they had invested in Bitcoin. Once they sold their shares on Facebook, uh, they, they, invested. they invested in Facebook, in Bitcoin, the whole amount. Mm. And by the time Bitcoin was 20,000, they were billionaires. Mm. I think they sold their shares. Mm. Mm. Now, at that point, is the people now, you start seeing on news, people are selling their houses, investing everything <laughs> they have. Yeah, yeah I, when I knew already, enough. When it's mm. already at the highest that it's ever going to be for yeah. a very long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But now there are people who are marketing it saying that it's going to $2,000, $20,000, and I knew it was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I never invested, but I, I tried to, in my books, I tried to, to, to tell people to be careful. Mm-hmm. Just be careful when you invest amount, invest amount that you can lose. That was, yeah, because it's basically trading mm-hmm. and I had so much, in, so much knowledge on trading especially the failure part. Mm-hmm. So saying don't invest what you can't afford to lose. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Another thing I've realized is you, you've developed your own system of making decisions. Mm. So how, what can you say is the balance between, because you also mentioned you didn't have enough EQ, so that really contributed to your failure when it came to Forex. So how do you balance, how do you approach decision making and especially how do you balance the emotional aspect and the intellectual aspect, the logical aspect, so that you can like make really good decisions, so that you're not really driven by one or the other. Um, I think the the best thing is to look at uh, what can work in in two years from now. What will still be working? Yeah, that that's a big lesson that that is good to learn. If what you're doing now is of no value for you two, three, four years from now, it's probably not the best decision to be doing. Yeah, and yeah, it, it helps a lot because like when I was trading, if I was thinking about building my, my portfolio slow enough mm-hmm. that in two or three years I'll be making maybe 10000 a month, mm-hmm. maybe I'll still be trading. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking of how I can make myself a millionaire in a month. Mm-hmm. I was researching my next car. I saw it, my, my trade to my trade. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you, you can say that the main things are patience and long-term thinking. Yeah, mm. I, I saw a quote somewhere uh, that patience is the most important virtue that in life. I don't know exactly how the quote goes here, yeah? mm. but it's a very overrated aspect in life, patience. Mm. 
Like in this product po- podcast that you're doing, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very nice idea, but it also needs patience. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you, if you, if what you're doing now is trying to make it what it will become in five years, mm-hmm. you notice that you you have the patience in yourself mm-hmm. to continue with the process mm-hmm. and just be slow, slowly grow mm-hmm. to, to to where you are going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what you. Danny, what is your process in decision making also? Uh, well, I'll say that uh, along the way, we have we have had so many failures, and we have started over so many times, and uh, we have made equally big mistakes in the process. We have invested money and lost a lot of money. Mm. So along the way, one of the biggest lessons we have learned is that. Uh, as freelancers that is a mistake so many people make they do not you know freelancing is very tempting you get immediate cash if you're writing you get money for now and that is the reason we stopped doing article writing because if you're not working you're not making money mm-hmm. if you're sick you're not making money so the biggest lesson was stop thinking about how much money can i make right now if i sit on a computer i can write make 50 dollars mm-hmm. but uh, if i sit down and create something then sell it uh, slowly in the next two three years I'll be making money mm. yes and I think that's the thing about like freelancing entrepreneurship or maybe having a side hustle for example if you're a student it's that mm. sometimes you forget to save for a rainy day mm. and yes. so you're always looking back like oh but I had so much money I could have mm-hmm. done this I could have done that and at that, at that point mm. you don't have anything exactly so um Maybe you can tell us, do you have any like saving tips or investing? Once you've acquired some sort of income, mm-hmm. how do you, um, I guess, save or how do you... How do you, you manage your... How do you prepare invest? for any days? Um, yeah. Uh, right now, I'd say we are big on reinvesting in the businesses, especially if they are young. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you're doing something for long term, for sure you'll definitely want to invest more and grow it. Mm. Uh, faster. So right now, um, saving, I would not say I'm so much of a saver, yeah. although mm. it's a skill I'm learning. Uh, that was part of my <laughs> goals. Mm. But uh, taking back the money into the business, that that is the best thing you can do for yourself. Mm. So, and again, as a freelancer, now it applies. Where it applies is that uh, you have to search for something that is more long-term. Because if you're doing article writing, there's nothing to invest back in mm. unless doing a course or something. Mm. But if you're doing something that will show you an income two years, three downs down the, down the line, maybe building up a website or putting up a brand or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it's your personal brand as a writer, make sure you get the best website, you get the best courses out, out there. So learn to invest, reinvest so much in in yourself so that uh, you grow your skill and one day you'll get there where you'll be able to save enough. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. And yeah. a lot of um, entrepreneurs mm. usually argue that, mm. for example, Gary Vaynerchuk, he says there's no such thing as passive income. And you'll find that maybe when you take a centonomy course, they're mm. teaching you to make or generate passive income. So I'm curious to know, do you guys believe in passive income? Because you said that, for example, in article writing, if you're sick, you're not making money, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I guess it's the same if you're a programmer, if you're not coding, you're, you're not, not building a website. Exactly. It won't just happen passively. Yes. So what's your take on that? Like, or are there any sort of industries that you, you see mm. um, 
passive income being generated or being viable? Yeah, I think the the diff passive income is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, it's not possible. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a lie. Because it, let me take an example of a programmer. Mm. When you're a programmer, you can create like website themes mm. and sell them online. Right. All programs, something that does have, I don't know what, what what kind of program, but mm. themes is is something that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. So like WordPress themes. Yeah. And uh, they sell quite well, but you notice that WordPress is always updating. And you have to keep up with the trends. Exactly. So even it's passive income, but you have to be involved in it. You have to keep marketing the product. You have to and you, have, you also have to keep reinventing your your themes, creating new ones, because the market changes very fast. I'm mm. sure even in the programming world, mm. everything changes too fast. Mm. Yes. And it's the same. So passive income, it's not possible, especially in the world of, in, in the internet world. Mm. Everything changes too fast. And by the time you're thinking that I'm going to relax, somebody's already inventing something better than you. Mm. Yeah, I would say the uh, uh, I believe in the same. There's no passive income. What there is is there are high value jobs and high income jobs. So that is the best way to define passive income. So you identify a job that is high value that requires very little effort from you, then uh, work on it. Mm. Yes. Okay, so uh, yeah. Newton, you're the one who hasn't uh, told us about what you currently do. We've, we've been discussing with Jimmy. So would you walk us to after the split where mm. you changed sort of professions and you became individual entities? What did you go into? How did you end up there? And how are you managing right now? Okay, all right. 2012? Mm, 2012, end of 2012. That's end of 2012, are. towards the end, Jimmy discovered YouTube. And... Uh, Jimmy, probably talk about it. Kidogo, how you discovered YouTube? Okay, I was I was reading through the forums. I, I was so addicted to forums. Mm. There was a forum called Brackat World. Mm. It's a Brack <laughs> forum, mm-hmm. even mm. the Kara. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about how to dodge the system. Yes. Mm. And uh, I, I, I saw somebody talking about YouTube. Mm-hmm. How do you can make money from YouTube without creating your own content? Mm-hmm. And I was very interested because... It was a it was an easy way out, mm-hmm. and uh, I started trying uploading videos. So you you get videos that are Creative Commons. Creative Commons are the videos that are not copyrighted. Mm-hmm. But at that point, in around 20, 2012, YouTube copyright yeah YouTube was not so strict on copyright yeah uh, copyright yeah yes. So you could almost upload anything and go away with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started uploading. I started uploading videos. I remember I didn't. I wasn't convinced, so I started making. I remember making my first two dollars, mm-hmm. and I was trying to explain to, to explain the concept to the to as we were, we were going home. I tried. I uploaded some videos on YouTube. I made two dollars, and nobody was convinced it's a viable idea. So I continued uploading. Three months later, I had my first check. They, they, they had since pay, YouTube pays through a, a Google program called AdSense through Western Union. So I withdrew my $8, $80, which is around 8K. Mm-hmm. It was very good money, considering what the amount of work you could do on article writing to make 8K. I was very impressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I went all in. Was that before? Because I remember you had to make $100 mm. before you could withdraw. There's a point where YouTube. 
Yeah, that's why I had to wait for around three months yeah. to build up to eighty dollars. Yeah. 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 Mm. Mm-hmm. Then I continue uploading. So the, the the trick was simple back then. Find videos that are not copyrighted, mm-hmm. upload them. Mm-hmm. It was very easy. Right now everybody copyrights their their, their work. Mm. So you have to create your own. YouTube okay. has changed from then, which yes. is very good for original creators, right. mm. but not so very good for people for... like me. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and then the the, the second check I got mm-hmm. was around thirty k Kenya shillings, and then yeah. So that's when my brothers started raising their something into it. Yeah. And everybody started getting so into it. Yeah. We followed everybody the money in my cycle. <laughs> in my circle. So it started. Okay, okay. We finish. Yeah. A year later, mm. everybody was in it, including Victor, our youngest brother, mm-hmm. and other and other relatives and friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, we trained everyone. We trained everyone. <laughs> <laughs> everybody that was interested, we were showing them you can do this with and this. And yeah, and we were making a lot of money yeah. in the in the three hundreds, five hundreds thousand Kenya shillings. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm. Okay. So we moved, mm. we, we rented a three-bedroom house. We were living the three of us, a mm. very good, wasteful life. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So I would say in the process, eh, uh, we, you know, it was not so easy, I would yeah. say that, eh, because first of all, you had to learn the right way to do things, then know what is supposed to be done, yeah. then dodge the system. Yeah. So it was basically the copyright system. So... There's something called Creative Commons. It's still there on YouTube, yeah. although it's not so good as it was back then. So that was the the, the easiest path to get in through. Um, Jimmy did his thing. Everyone did his own thing. So you had to, basically, you had to do a lot of research, find content that will be watched because you want something that will be watched at least a million times. Mm-hmm. Two million times, mm. so you have to find very good content, mm-hmm. adjust it if you have to adjust it, eh? then re-upload it. Mm. And um, of course, along the way, we learned so many things. You have to to use this IPs. You have to do this. Mm-hmm. You have to do a lot of research. Personally, it. I, I even went. I was not doing English content. I was doing Japanese and Korean content. So I had mm. to learn how to translate languages and all that. Yeah. And, um, well, it did well. We made money when we could. Then all of a sudden, the, 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 the copyright system Got started up. improving. So uh, along the way, we were losing channels. Like, by then, personally, I had like 500 YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We I was fortunate <laughs> enough. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to that were making good money. Well, that's a hassle. That's a yes, yes, that's yeah. a hassle. Yeah. Mm. I had like 500 YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. And that's why, by the way, there are people we taught and only like, we can only account for five. Yeah. We taught so many people, but people could not go through the hassle. Mm. So um, so we, we made money. Then the copyright system came. And uh, one year towards the closure of the, all of the channels, we knew that this thing was failing. And we had to reinvent ourselves. So this is where I had to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Now I started reinventing myself. Yeah. And the first thing I knew was uh, I was very passionate about marketing, sales and marketing. So I knew I had to learn a new skill. Yeah. And I started learning 
uh, marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and running adverts and all that. And uh, I also knew that I knew YouTube so well. So I set up a company very fast. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was called Hisia Network. Mm-hmm. It's still there. So it is called Hisia Network. <laughs> <laughs> After setting up the company, this company, the main goal was to go and uh, find musicians because I knew people who are victims of the same thing that we are doing. Mm. So just find musicians, tell them that you can make money through your, your content. Yeah. If able to submit to YouTube legally and do a copyright system and all that. So because there was a lot of music, of course, musicians were uploading on YouTube, but they were not getting money from it. Mm. Every top musician you can think of and today. It's original content. Yes, mm. it's original content. It's your music. Someone else has copyrighted it. Mm. There's a company called, oh no, I won't mention the company, mm. but there's a company that, that does that fraudulent work. Until I think to date, this, mm. this it still, still exists. Yeah, exist. I, I saw another, another trend or thread on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yes. A guy was complaining that somebody has copyrighted the Kenyan National Anthem. Yeah. Yes. Did you yeah. see it? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So it's still a problem. So yeah. Is it the same company? No, it's a different one. It's a different one. Mm. There's a company that cooperates uh, Kenyan music. If you are a new musician, musicians don't know that yet. If you're a new musician, you do your music, you upload it, uh, it will be copyrighted in the next one month and someone will be making money. And do you know something funny about the YouTube system? Eh? You can have your music on your channel as a musician, mm-hmm. but you're seeing everything, but the money is going to another person, wow. the copyright owner. Mm. Yes. So you have a million views on your channel, but someone else is making the money. How do you establish that copyright ownership over your content? Now you have to, now that was the other challenge. Now we had to partner with companies that already had, because there's, there's a content management system that gives, YouTube gives companies. Eh? Mm. Uh, by then in Kenya, there's no company that had the system. But right now I know there is Calif Records, they have it. And there's another one company. Um, so we had to partner with foreign companies. That's when we came to know about MCNs, multiple, multi-channel networks. So I was using one in Pakistan. Then I went, approached musicians. I signed like, I drafted a contract very fast, approached musicians. So to start with, I wanted to test the model and I focused on one niche, like Kiku music. Because I knew it was easy to get Kikuyu, music, Kikuyu musicians. Eh? There's River Road. River mm-hmm. Road, almost all of them converge there. So all I had to do is get a nice link. Mm-hmm. I identified a lady who had networked with almost every other musician. Started paying her and she would bring the musicians to me. Mm-hmm. Within a span of two months, I had like 400 albums, uh, 400 musicians, wow. almost 3,000 songs. So they would give me the CDs, I would upload them, create channels for them and all that. But now the problem was, like, there are big musicians uh, in the Kikuyu, especially the big musicians. I don't know whether you know them. Like Shirwa GP and all that. I remember Shirwa GP, if you know Shirwa GP, eh? yeah. she was one, one, one client that I had signed. Mm-hmm. So uh, she wanted to reclaim her, her, her music because she had many hit songs by then. And I had to find the person that has copyrighted this song. The, the beauty about YouTube, again, eh, is you can now claim the song. Yeah. Then you can take it down as yeah. the original owner. Now, since I had the master copies, I could take down the, the songs mm-hmm. on other channels and then leave them to me. But mm-hmm. now to gain full access, I had to 
I had to get a, there's there's something in the CMS that they put. So I had to get the person who had uploaded and confront them and all that. So in the process, I realized ah, I started getting threats because people who are doing this, they are well connected. Yeah. I won't say that they are connected to the Music Copyright Society. I've not said that, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, 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 yes. so yeah. the the guys with the CMS were now in Kenya now. Yes, we even went. They they have a fishy office somewhere. So mm. I took one of my cousins and went uh, somewhere in Ruaka, mm. somewhere there. So we went, confronted them, and they told us, "Either join us. You don't do business this way. Either join us." Ama, you know how to do your business. We don't do business this way. Mm. So we tried taking down the songs. And at some point I realized it's not worth it, worth it because you're getting pressure from the musicians. And then you're not able to help them per se. The only way you're able to help them is if they are getting a new song immediately before uploading it on their channel, they tell you, you copyright it in advance. Because once you've copyrighted, no one else can copyright it. Mm. At least they have to come through you again. Because one music can be owned by multiple copyrights. Anyway, in the process, I bumped on one interesting person. So we realized, after discovering musicians, uh, it, it's hard to deal with music. Eh? We were thinking of what other original content is there locally. It was me and my cousin. Eh? Mm -hmm. We... We thought of pastors. Mm. So we identified again another major Kikuyu pastor. To date, we still manage the channel. He's called Pastor JJ, if mm -hmm. anyone knows him. Mm -hmm. And uh, we approached him. It was hectic. I remember we had to sit down to Nenda Tunaka, sit down with the, uh, on the prayer bench, wait, and then, uh, like, we are not here for prayers, we are here for business. <laughs> 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 Just, just to be clear, maybe some of them also there for business. Yes. So, yeah, you know, I think yes. we connect. <laughs> okay, so he eventually gave us access to his entire catalog. Yeah. He has so many videos because he records every Sunday. So that was the, the, the point that we saw. Every, most of the churches record every Sunday, but they don't put the content out mm. there. Mm. So uh, Pastor JJ, he agreed to give us his entire catalog. We uploaded, and he's doing so well, actually, right now. Mm. Then we started, we saw it's, it's something viable. We started now looking for other pastors. Uh, my local church back then, then someone introduced, I met another pastor, and then someone introduced me. If you know Lucy Natasha, mm. you know if you know her. So I remember we met somewhere here along Gong Road back then. She was not yet known. She introduced me, told me how, what she wants to do. That was 2015. And then she told me, other than managing my YouTube, I want you to manage my personal brand. Mm -hmm. It's like, I've never done that, but I know I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want? I went research, so you can do a Facebook page, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. And that's how I entered into the, the branding thing. So mm -hmm. the best thing is that uh, she allowed me to use her money to promote the platforms and all that. Because I told her I was clear, I'm learning. So it will be a process I'll be learning, but in the process you, you, you gain. Mm -hmm. From there, he see eventually moved away from the YouTube thing. Because again, pastors are also complicated in their own way. So we stopped at, I would say our two success stories right now is JJ and Lucy Natasha. Mm -hmm. But now I move towards the branding side. 
So since I was already learning how to build personal brands, how to do this on Facebook, how to run adverts, how to do run Google ads. And uh, I saw this is something that I can replicate because I wanted something long term that could last, that I could do in the next 10, 15 years. And uh, now I, I say I have a few restaurants, I have a few real estate clients, I have, so basically that's what I do. I go pick up, we strategize on your brand. Mm -hmm. We know you need to be here. These are the people you need to reach and we go for the rot on that. Mm. Yes. How do you go uh, about, oh, yeah, please finish. Sorry? Uh, please finish what you were about to say. Oh, I wanted to say, but on the side, eh? mm -hmm. YouTube never left my mind. Mm -hmm. So I, now we had an option. The only option remaining was to do YouTube right. So mm -hmm. I now started doing YouTube right. I'm not yet there, but I hope this year I'll be there. We are trying to scale up and uh, create more regional content and uh, build stronger channels. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, I had a quick question. Mm -hmm. um, before, when you were doing the YouTube, or even before that, the mm. article writing Sorry. and all that, mm. like the pricing was defined by the, by the company. Maybe YouTube. No. Oh, okay. Now, what we'll do, eh? Mm -hmm. So we approach you as a person. We tell you there's YouTube. We already knew how MCNs work. Yeah. Basically, if you go to any multi-channel network, eh, they take 40 to anything from 40, 30, 20% of whatever you earn from YouTube, depending on how much revenue you're generating. Mm -hmm. So it go assess you, we see you're able to earn 100K and we say, we, we want 40, we want 30. So basically it's commissions. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. So to date, yes. Um, the question I wanted to ask was like, um, mm -hmm. with branding, mm -hmm. I think you had to like define your own oh, yeah. pricing. So yes. how did you like go about that the first time? Now, I'm going to say that I'm very poor in pricing to date. <laughs> <laughs> very poor because um, first of all, the brands that I've dealt with, eh, most of them are emerging brands. Mm. I'm passionate about emerging brands, not brands that I've already picked up. So like I can come to a restaurant, see how much you're struggling and I know there's there's the, like there's one restaurant I'm dealing with in Mombasa. It's a very small restaurant. I'd not say so small. But uh, you discover the passion that is within the restaurant, then work with them. So the pricing is based on, I assess you as a client, how much you're able to pay me, how much I'm able to bring in, then every pricing is different. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. depending on where you are. Uh, I wanted to ask you, um, mm. since now you, you, you've understood that you are a freelancer that deals with Kenyan uh, brands and all of that, mm. what are some of the challenges that you face mm. when dealing with clients? Do, as you all know, clients sometimes can be a touch. Oh my goodness. No, yeah. I said I have a problem with the pricing mm. and it's because Kenyan brands, you know, you know, like, for example, if I come to a restaurant, I know you have a gig on this day. Mm or maybe it's a restaurant stroke a pub. I know you have a gig and I know I can push this gig and it earns you around 300, 400, half a million Kenyan shillings. I tell you I want, from this I want 40, 30,000 yeah. to, to just to run this event. Yeah. 
people are not willing to do that. Mm. No matter how much value they'll mm. see coming from you. Mm. So Kenyan brands, especially Kenyans, I don't know whether I'm dealing with the wrong brands. But no, <laughs> I can assure but, you you're not. <laughs> but people, people, I don't know, even if there's value for their money, mm. they're not willing to part with their money. You find you have done your work, you have done your part, yeah. then you're not getting paid. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he was dealing with another client. Yes. He pushed the the, the, the weekend event. Mm -hmm. mm. It was very successful. Mm. Then on Monday, the client called him, very excited, mm. telling him how, how much he had made. Yeah. Like and 90% then, of the people who came mm, were from, <laughs> from your efforts. <laughs> <laughs> then when yes. it comes to paying, mm. they start disappearing. Yes, mm. yes, yes, yes. Why do you think that is? Because I feel like sometimes in Kenyan business, mm. um, we talk about this, I think, recently at some event, but Kenyans are very warm in nature. We're very social, we're very welcoming. But when it comes to business, we're very distrustful. Mm. You know, it's either scam or get scam. It's, um, I know you have so much value, but I'll extract as much value as I can out of you and not try and pay you anything. And that's usually on the client side. <coughs> that's also usually on the business side. So sometimes you'll find some people overprice something as business owners. Mm. You'll find that clients don't want to pay for something even when you know they have. Mm. Um, so why do you think that is, at least in your experience, what is it about... Kenyan brands or Kenyan clients or maybe it's an African thing, maybe it's a global thing, I don't know, but in my experience, it's, it's a very Kenyan it's, it's thing. It's a Kenyan thing. It's a Kenyan thing. Yeah. I think the, the root of the problem, mm. we don't know how to run businesses. Mm. Mm. We, yeah. don't, we, we don't come from families that know how to run businesses. Right. Mm. Yes. So when you make a coin, you want to keep the whole amount. Mm. Yes. You're not willing to invest anything back into the business. Mm -hmm. And you look at even like, uh, like people like us who come from Shago, mm -hmm. they, 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 they take coffee, mm -hmm. take it to the market. Okay, the, the process of mm. preparing for the coffee, mm -hmm. you're, you're provided with the feeds, you're provided with the spray, mm -hmm. the, the, what are they called? Uh, chemicals. Chemicals, yeah, fertilizers, yeah. yeah. Yes. Everything mm. you're provided with, mm. and the cost will be cut before even you receive your money. Right. So mm. they are not, we are not taught how to deal with, you invest this amount, mm. you get back this amount. Mm. Even and don't know yeah, you what don't is know operating how, you cost, know. you know nothing. Mm. Mm. Yes. Because they look at a, a local farmer, mm. they, they, they have no idea how much they invested into the business. <laughs> yes. mm. They don't even pay themselves. Once, once you get your check after, after you sold the coffee, you've waited for six months, once you get it, you think that that is your profit. Mm. But if you do your mathematics <laughs> right, mm. you realize maybe only 30% was your profit. Mm. And yeah, that, that's, that is the, the basic of Kenyan business. Yes. And people transfer that to other businesses. Mm. Exactly. Once you receive a coin, you want mm. to keep the whole amount. Mm. Or you want to make it bigger without investing. Yeah. It's, it's a problem, yeah. Mm. And I, I run... I realize that that's a, that's a reason that even myself I have to run. Mm -hmm. I'm, I teach myself how to reinvest back into the business. Sometimes it's hard to to explain. Like you're paying somebody twenty thousand to do what? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially yeah, look at even in Kenya in our homes, our, our mothers can't sustain a house girl mm -hmm. because they don't see the value. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. you employ them for one month. Mm -hmm. 
they finish the work and you don't want, they don't want them to sit down mm-hmm. because they, they expect and pay you <laughs> 6000 you should be working, working 24/7 yes. yeah is mm-hmm. the is the, the same problem yes so if and people transfer that mentality into their businesses <laughs> so you have to be hard on every, if you are the, the one employing you have to be hard on the person you are employing if mm-hmm. you are the employee you have to be hard on the person employing you to to get the value Exactly. Yeah, it's a very bad mentality in Kenya. Mm. And obviously, I haven't done my research, mm. but I'm curious to understand if there's any like historical linkage, because it's 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 essentially you, it's like you're colonizing mm-hmm. and exploiting each when other. we each yes, other, yeah, yeah, true, yeah, true, yeah. yes. Um, <laughs> we've ex- we've been exploited, so I mm. wonder, like, maybe pre. colonialism well, was that always our nature as Kenyans or as Africans I I, I don't know but it's just something I find yeah. very interesting um, yeah yes, you know, I can I, I, I can completely relate mm-hmm. because I've worked in the informal sector for a while mm-hmm. and you find that even the systems like for example you know this 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 happens to most informal people who mm-hmm. work in who pay like city council rents and stuff like that so can find in your business you need like a permit for fire mm-hmm. or your you know your mm-hmm. any certificates that you have to get from the city council and then still when you have those those um documents you still find yourself being mm-hmm. caught or being harassed mm-hmm. the systems in place are not there but i can completely relate to what you're saying mm-hmm. it's a, it's a culture that it's basically culture it's from the top all the way to the bottom the people at the top don't care about the people at the bottom at all exactly. and for some reason i feel like it's hard on creatives mm-hmm. there's even a trend on twitter like pay True. creatives kenya mm-hmm. yeah like people who do uh, uh pr uh, promoting brands people who do programming uh, developing websites for clients designers like kenyans have not yet caught up with the culture of that you have to create an online presence and the people that create this presence for you deserve pay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they're paying you mm-hmm. pennies for a lot of work that mm-hmm. will in long term build their businesses but they still don't understand the value that is in this. Is it because that they don't understand the value that they don't want to pay us or what what what? what? Yeah. I think I think they don't okay. want to understand. They, they don't. don't. Yes, yeah. true true. Look at uh, like mm. writing a code. Mm. I can tell you get for me a website that will do this and this and this. Mm. I don't want to understand how much effort it will you take you to come up with a concept mm. to to research and did exact no exactly how much how, how, how it works or I'm thinking is I want a website and I should get it for the least amount of money mm. Mm. and it should be the most effective website that I want mm. that's that's all we think about nobody saying to think beyond how much you create this creative person mm. how to find yeah. yourself mm. and I think it's It's, I mean, it's it's also it, well, it's very sociological, um, and it's also very cultural because in my experience, um, so I also run a retail business, right, where mm-hmm. we sell clothes and accessories. But what I would find is that a client would come in, a potential client would come into the store, and then they would see maybe a dress that they really want, right, and maybe mm-hmm. that dress is twenty thousand shillings, right. Mm-hmm. Made in Kenya, really luxurious fabric. You put in all your time and effort, and some designer somewhere has to get paid. Mm. But this client would say, 
why is it 20,000? I know I can get this for 5,000 or 500 shillings somewhere. Go back. And then what would happen is they would drive <laughs> off. You know, I used to, the, yeah, finish, sorry, finish. They would drive point. off in the Range Rover. Mm-hmm. And then they're there holding the iPhone and trying to bargain you down. And and I had to realize that, okay, maybe it's how you're portraying your value. Mm-hmm. Maybe are you doing enough marketing? Are you doing enough branding? Are you doing enough PR? And these things are so important. Mm-hmm. Because why is it that a client would come in? Maybe, you know, for me, it was in the case of like female clients trying to buy clothes. Mm-hmm. But you'll find that same client will come to you, Newton, and then they'll tell you, why should I pay you? X amount to market my restaurant and you know that restaurant's gonna make maybe a million in a night or whatever amount mm. but then maybe they're a politician who has money like why is it that they want to bargain you down on your craft and yet you know they pay so much value in other sort of items or in other sort of industries mm. like if they got sick and maybe they found out that they had cancer mm. they'll fly to India and get that treatment and pay millions mm. but why is it that when it comes to creativity or programming or software development or whatever no one really like no one wants to pay for value mm. but you know sometimes people say you have to be the change that you want to see because you can't really change other people mm-hmm. so you have to look inwards and ask yourself okay am i portraying value like are we unionizing as creatives are we um trying to collaborate and just take a stand and say okay no you have to pay maybe 50% deposit before the work begins or we have to formalize our contract or we have to do you think do you think it, do you think we are to blame for not really um, uh, demanding value from other? Am I making sense? Yes, yes, yes I get you. Sense. I'll say this: eh? mm-hmm. the the creative industry right now, especially in the digital platform, eh? digital world, is now. This is the time that it's it's picking up. This is the time that we are growing. We are yet to. <coughs> we, I would say we I would say we are the pioneers, and. Uh, this is the time that people are learning how to to do all these things. Mm. The young people, young people are learning how to run brands and all that. So, I agree with you. We are we have not yet unified our efforts. I would also say that most of the people are yet to present themselves professionally, mm-hmm. especially how you pitch, you do your yeah. pitches to your clients. Then uh, I would also say. Although most clients, I don't know why, especially what, what I've experienced so far, people don't like signing contracts. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that they can dodge. I don't, <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. people don't like signing contracts. So you go to them, you're trying to be very professional, you're trying to be authors, you have a contract, but they, they don't like signing the contracts. That's something I would say. We, we need to do that. We need to to push more presents present ourselves as uh, creatives who know what they are doing. We know the we we able to value our work. Uh, because we know the amount of energy we put. You know, when you approach a client, especially if you're in the what, what I do, on eh? you're posting here on Facebook. We are doing this. We'll have a blog. We'll have this. Eventually, for them, they see they pick it as the they pick the smallest role, and they will tell you, uh, "Am I paying you this much just to post on Facebook?" Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, it's it's our role to to make them know how much effort we put before putting that thing on Facebook, mm-hmm. how much research we have done, how much nights we have spent studying 
how to run adverts, how to do all these things. They did not just happen. So as creatives, you are now rising. That's why, Victor, you mentioned that there's a hashtag, Mm. pay creatives well. Mm. Creatives are now uh, knowing their real value. And I would say there's, we are rising. In the next few years, if we continue with this trend, people have recognized how much the digital platform is. They'll start valuing their creatives they get. Like I have two, three clients who really value me. They would, yes, because they have understood my value. They have understood what they do, what I do. And uh, when I tell them that this is going to cost 100,000, they know why, because they know the value to this far. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I also think uh, mm. the, the, the employers, mm. they're also starting to run. Mm. When you employ a cheap creative and when you employ uh, an expensive creative, you can yes. tell the difference. Mm. They have to go through the process for mm. them to, no, to appreciate to the value of an expensive creative. Because there are also some people down there who will, will do too much work for no, for no money. Yes, mm. true. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've literally gotten in a matatu mm. and there's a sticker on the wall saying mm. I'll build your website for 15,000 shillings. Yes. That's criminal. You should not <laughs> do that. No, you know there's people now who are, sure. who are spoiling the market where mm. they are devaluing themselves. And mm. then now the people who are actually creating quality content they're not being paid what Yeah, because value. it would be very difficult for me as a quality creative who I know my value. I know mm-hmm. that I'll be charging a, a few thousand dollars for a website mm-hmm. to approach someone and tell him, like, I'll build you this e-commerce store. It will cost you $2,500. Yeah. And then this someone will remember, like, I walked in Namatatu the other day mm-hmm. and the sticker on the wall saying on $50. So I recharging me this. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also down to we as creatives not valuing ourselves like you had said mm-hmm. and the ones that are pushing the effort and as a Kenyan it's a Kenyan culture to always go for the cheapest way out yes yeah? yes yeah and and <laughs> and the, the industry is not that big you know mm. Joroge will tell Kamau I was built this website for $15,000 and yeah. maybe Kamau's business is much bigger and much more valuable than Joroge's but Kamau will not understand that my business is different yes. and I cannot use the same creative yeah. but since this other client has already used the cheap creative they'll be like I want the same people. I want that cheap mm. creative. I want that cheap person. <laughs> or whoever is referring you to a cheap person, mm. they will not tell you that it didn't work. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, because in most cases it doesn't work. That's mm. a challenge that he faces most of the time. Mm-hmm. Some of the clients that leave him for a cheaper person, they start com- contacting me with, with some very weird requests. Mm-hmm. My email from my website is not working. Can you fix it? Mm. Tell him that no. is the reason yeah. I stopped doing websites. Yeah. Because... You go give a genuine quotation for website, then I realized the website part is putting off my clients. Yeah. So I come, I tell you, you you get a person to do your website, mm-hmm. I can recommend. Mm-hmm. Then do you do the website, I'll run the digital, the, the marketing side of it. Because you know, the website and the marketing, they are, they are a tool. You cannot separate them. Mm. But uh, people do not want to create quality websites at the end of the day because mm. they want cheap websites. Yeah. Mm. So um, I think as creators, eh, but, but the problem is most of the creators are desperate. Mm. That is my point. Yes, most yes. of the creators are. Even yes. personal branding. Yes. Because you'll find that, okay, you know, there's this saying, the emperor has no clothes, mm. right? So um, maybe you want to charge thousands of dollars per website, but you don't even have a website yourself. Yes. So even as creatives, sometimes we have to look within ourselves and ask ourselves, True. 
Mm-hmm. How am I branding myself? Mm-hmm. Like 360 degrees, the same way I would come to you, the same way maybe you said Pastor Natasha and Pastor Gigi mm-hmm. would come and say, I want you to brand my personal, I guess, brand or company mm-hmm. and then make me a better make me a better value to potential clients. Mm. So are we, do you think that creatives, or what creatives do you know who personally brand themselves and then can now demand higher, I guess, value from mm. potential clients? Like, are we, am I making sense? Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah making you're making a lot of sense. Of sense. Actually, <laughs> and yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Mm. If you look at people who call themselves creatives, eh? especially in our local setting, eh? mm. they call themselves influencers. So what they have done is amass a big following on social media, mm. which is good. But what else beyond that? Mm. They they do not have websites. They do not have... Uh, actually, their brand is concentrated on one platform, most likely. Instagram, if it's Twitter, if yeah. it's Instagram. Yeah. So um, those are the shortcomings, shortcomings we have in the industry right mm. now. What do you think uh, an influencer should have in order to be mm. more out there in the market? Well, as an influencer, you're okay being on one platform and getting a big following from there. Mm. Of course, you're influencing on that platform. But as a person who is working for other brands, you should have something that is more than... If, if you're approaching a brand and telling them that I'll build you, I'll build your brand across all, across all platforms and not just uh, Instagram, if you're on Instagram, mm. you should have more of of what you're trying to 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 sell yes and also offline engagement because you'll find that a lot of influencers mm. are only focused on creating content on youtube instagram twitter yes uh, but no one's really trying to network offline um mm. i guess do consultations but just literally meeting people face to face or meeting clients face to face um is very important yeah true yeah just speaking going back it made me think of something mm-hmm. the aspect of why the clients don't really see value mm-hmm. in what creatives do. Mm. Me, I'd say it's the aspect of not understanding the value chain that goes into producing whatever you do, whatever creative mm-hmm. does. Yes. Because for things that are really uh, concrete or that really crystallize in the physical world, it is mm. easier to identify the ink that goes into that. Mm. Yeah. Like, like a construction, for buy. instance, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you buy sand, you buy kokoto, you buy maui, and do like, yeah. Okay, this makes sense. If it's mm. hospital, like you said, it's your life. Yeah. Mm. So you see the, the doctor went to the medicine school. The, the That's a nice point. Mm. So mm-hmm. Since they don't understand the chain you put in learning, the resources you have to get from different places so that you can develop your skill and give your knowledge. And the many things you have to work on the same projects so that you can be good enough to actually work on an actual real project. But but I'd say you, you know like in my case, eh, I work very closely with my brands, eh, so they know the effort, the amount of effort I I, I put. Eh. My my brother, because he knows me very well, he said that people do not want to understand. There are people who intentionally do not want to understand. They want to get whatever they are getting for the lowest value possible, mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. So. Even if you explain the entire process, even if you go, because I sit down, we create content from scratch. We say we need pictures, we need a photographer, we need to do this, we need to do this. They know the amount of effort that is being put to come up with the content. Eh? 
So basically they do not want to understand. They want to be blind. They want to undercut you. Yes. Yeah, and it also comes back to the aspect of not knowing how to handle a business. Yes. Because when you're employing a creative, mm. you, re- you have to have a more long-term mindset because this person is creating something that will, will, will boost your business over time. Mm. And we are used to do this, read this 100 blocks, I'll pay you 500 shillings per day. You, you know, that's a construction worker. It's so easy. Mm. But when you tell somebody, build me a website, mm. but people think that when you build a website, it will start bringing money in. And then you realize this website is just as useless as a person who doesn't have one. Mm. You have to start <laughs> promoting it. Yeah. Mm. And then you wonder, I paid 100,000 for a website that mm. doesn't make me money. Yes. Mm. And it doesn't make sense for a person who is not used to it. Yes. So, yeah, it's a mind, mind shift that will have to happen over time. Yeah. Mm. I remember we were at this talk recently and mm-hmm. um, this personal branding expert, Monesi, said that um, your personal brand can hold a meeting for you when you're not there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? And yes. I think things like your website, your social media platforms, mm-hmm. your, how you communicate online, um, how mm-hmm. you interact with other people um, plays a lot into you getting value, whether that's monetary value, brand value, um, exposure, big contracts, whatever, and just what you're saying, like, if you don't promote your website, it's as useless as someone who does, who does have not one. have. But people don't realize that that same website, yeah, could be the, I guess, the stepping stone for you to getting that next client or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, I've also helped some people build their website, yeah, yeah. locally, and you find only when they, they have somebody who is requesting for their website, they call me, hey, Jimmy, is my website still functional? <laughs> Come here, this and this and this. Yeah, so if I, people don't really care about it until when they, they feel that they need it. Mm-hmm. And then the feel fades away, they forget about it. So it's a cycle. Mm. It's a cycle, yes. And if you, if you don't spend time on building on it, it will never work for you. Mm. Yeah. Because I remember I had this, I was working with someone who um, actually called me one day to say, I'm meeting an investor tomorrow and our website is not up to par. Yes. But it's like your website has always been that way. And yeah. You, mm. And they know and it. your investor <laughs> has probably seen it. Anyway. Yes. Mm. So it's just, you should, yeah, you should always just be on point in terms mm. of branding. So you mm. think that the, then the problem is that these clients don't really have specific outcomes and don't really understand what they want from this creative. Yeah. Mm. Because it could be a case whereby, oh, because guys nowadays have websites, Because yeah, yeah. of the fear of missing out, yeah. Exactly. Mm. It brings me to another question. Like, when do you guys say no to a client? Mm. You know? Because I guess it's, it's so easy to get caught up in, okay, this person is paying this much. Oh, my God, I need the money. Can yeah. you go for it? Or the big person, if I work with them, then it's good for my portfolio. But when do you say, you know what? It's not yeah. worth it. Actually, um. To, to expand on this, I think, yeah. Jimmy, can you tell us, mm. be, you, you've been on the hiring end mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. freelancers. Mm. Can you tell us, like, when do you say no to a freelancer? 
and Newton, you've been on the on the freelancing yeah. end of yeah to yeah. a client. Like when do you say not to a client? Mm. Should they start? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So freelancers, one desperate people. Mm-hmm. You tell them, can you do this? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. <laughs> can you do this? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. That's a big no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when when somebody says yes to everything, it's almost like a not everything. They have no idea what they are saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they have no experience. But once you, once as a freelancer you have experience, you know, building a code that requires an API that will be coding from this and this, it's impossible. It will take me like maybe a week mm. and I'm saying yes for $50. Mm. You know, it's a waste of your time. Yeah. Mm. But somebody will say yes, then build something that is completely different to what you wanted. Mm. Sometimes it's even better to go for the most expensive person. Mm. Like, uh, at the moment, I do a lot of design work, T-shirt designs. The somebody will charge $1 for a design, somebody will charge 3 somebody will charge 5 I don't go for the $1 because for the $1, the design will be very basic. Mm. So I, I try to balance out. But there's still, the, we find somebody is charging $5 for a design, but they don't know what they're doing. They just have the confidence to overcharge. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So, uh, you, it's a try and error, but yeah. you have to say no for the cheapest. Yeah. You, have, you, you have to be very fortunate to find somebody who's cheap and committed to their work. Mm. Yeah. But the easiest way is to go for a bit expensive, yeah. And somebody who is, who is arguing with you, if you tell them, do this and this, they, they ask you, this is, this is tough to do. Can we do this instead? Mm. Or if I do this, I will have to charge you more because it takes this amount of time. Mm. Somebody who is arguing with you, they are the best people to hire. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. They know their craft, they know their Mm. value. And they know that you cannot use me for this little money to do this. Mm. Not yes, man. Not yes, man. So, Newton, when do you say no to a client? When do I say no? Now, there there are two things. First of all, you have... When, once you talk to your client, once you hold a meeting, you have to agree on the way forward. Like, uh, there are clients that want you to take this direction. You're sure you're not so comfortable going that direction. Uh, that is the biggest, uh, the biggest thing that I look. We have to be in the same direction. I know I'll add value to your brand. If I'm not going to add any value, I say no. Mm. Secondly, it has to do with money of course are you willing to pay me what i'm asking for and on top of that are you willing to invest in your business because it's very funny yeah? you go to to someone they are willing to pay you mm-hmm. to run their their campaigns to run their to manage their brand that is and run the campaigns of course but they're not willing to spend money on the campaigns you know mm-hmm. right now if you go post anything on facebook eh? assuming you you have a brand that has like 10k 10k like 10k likes on mm-hmm. on their facebook page mm-hmm. it will not get any traction unless you boost that. unless you boost that post so you find people who are there they are willing to to give you but they want you now to to know how to do how to get the traction they don't care whether you spend your money to to boost the posts or whatever so we have to agree that this is the money that you're going to spend this is the money that is going to make reasonable sense mm. for you to see any impact because if if you want me to be here and you're not willing to spend money that is going to make an impact that you'll feel down the line two three months you'll start thinking that i'm not useful mm. but on my end i'm doing everything i can 
to maintain your brand afloat, but you are not reaching enough people. Mm. Nowadays, to reach enough people, you have to spend money. So you have to spend money on me and on your brand. I agree. That is the biggest thing. Yes. yes, that's completely accurate. Mm. Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing about mm. you know failing fast and failing off often. It's that you move from being a tactician to mm. a strategist. Yeah. Yes, mm. you know, like you stop looking at short-term gains, shortcuts. Mm. What can I do to make quick money? And you start thinking, okay, you know, it's okay to say no. Mm. It's yes. okay to um, define your value. It's okay to invest in your own personal brand and to send those quotations and to like I think yeah that's that's something I'm learning. Yeah. I'd say uh the digital space is evolving very fast so yeah. we, we have to keep learning. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to interacting with people especially Kenya Kenyans it's a whole new game. Yeah. Everyone is learning so you have you have to accommodate everyone in in whatever capacity. Mm. Yes. And um mm. uh as um as Jimmy mm-hmm. again because you, you hire a lot of freelancers like one thing that the common mistake that you see despite of course being cheap is there mm-hmm. anything else that you usually see from a freelancer like maybe they don't have uh, a website for instance in any is there like something you usually check for besides the pricing that you just know like I know these are quality uh, freelancer and I want to hire you what's that pop factor that you just see and you be like Yes, you. Um, it's simple, over-promising. I think that that's a very big, big... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. somebody who knows what they are doing, mm. you, you adjust your, your language over time. Mm. And you can, you, even when you're reading a, 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 somebody who is giving the, the portfolio, mm. you can tell a portfolio of a, of a beginner and somebody who knows what they are yes. doing. Mm-hmm. This 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 beginner will, will, tell, will say they can do everything. The person knows what they are doing. They have very specific skills, yeah. and they are very specific in what they are saying. Yeah. So yeah, you can tell. You can tell very very quick. Even mm-hmm. on a on a even on, on this website like Kuhasol. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Kuhasol there is no mm-hmm. Upwork. Mm-hmm. You can t- you can need the portfolio of a, of a person and tell this person will be a, a, a disaster to work with <laughs> because they don't have enough experience. Mm. And the other person, they are very strict on that, what they can do. So they will deliver, be on, they're, they're very, very narrow on, the, on their niche, but they will deliver the best quality on that. Mm. Yeah. So uh, you're talking about specialization. Yeah, you have to specialize and be very specific on what you're doing mm. and also be specific on the job that you take mm. because... As uh, as an as a person who hires, sometimes we'll approach you with uh, something is completely off to what you're comfortable with. Mm. But since the, the money that you're being offered is good, mm. you take the job. Yeah. And then even before one day is over, you realize you can't do it. Mm. Mm. And yeah. you're already into the peer. Yeah. Mm. And also even like as creatives, programmers, the people that you choose to work for. So if you if you see that maybe a founder has guess no structure or no clear vision or tunnel, I guess yeah. focus. They don't have clarity in what they want to achieve. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all? Yeah. Yeah. As an employer, everything mm. and everything, I've been there. Yes. That's a warning sign. That's a red flag. Let me I've talk employed about somebody. Mm. Mm. 
with no strategy, just trying to to find what they will do next. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's yes. very frustrating for mm-hmm. the employer and most mostly the employee mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they are coming to your work, you're paying them well, but they don't know what they are doing. Mm-hmm. I remember the, the last time I employed person I, I even decided to stop. I started employing again this year January. Mm-hmm. But now I'm very specific. I build up work for like two years that the work that the person will be doing. Mm-hmm. We don't even talk daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's not it's not a, an office setting. Mm-hmm. So I help them set up an internet in their place and they work from uh, away from me. Mm-hmm. And now we are very comfortable because he knows what what he has to do. I know when he's failing and I know when he's even he's succeeding. Mm-hmm. And he knows exactly what he's doing. I've also employed a person not knowing what we are doing. It's very stressful. I understand what you're saying. Mm. I think mm. there's there's a time we made that mistake. Unfortunately, we are the three of us. Yeah. You included. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a time, now, now the YouTube time, mm. we had money. And we, back in our minds, we knew that we, we needed something that mm. would work. So we decided to, to try real estate. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this, now this is the, side, the other side of the coin. We mm. are the clients. We have a vision, but it's not so solid. Yeah. So we wanted a website. Eventually, we, we got a very nice guy. There were, there were two. two yeah, three yeah. Guys. Actually, we got a developer mm. that's taking all the right boxes for mm. someone who knows how to brand themselves. They yes. were not cheap for once. Mm. They were not cheap at all. They were in the thousands of dollars for a we client. Paid, we paid 250K. Mm. By the end of the day, yes. Yeah. 250,000. But... Mm-hmm. I think as the vision carriers, we did not have mm. what it takes. Mm. And, and eventually, yes, being it, self-aware. Yes, yeah. yes. Eventually, you now the developers here, they are very good guys. Mm. The, we have gone through their portfolio. Actually, they were the most expensive mm. out of, mm. yes, yes, yes. But, but they, uh, they did a very good presentation. Mm-hmm. They, even, they were the people who were pushing the brand in a better direction than, than we were. Mm. Mm. Because we didn't have a concrete idea of what we wanted. Yes, mm. yes, yes. So eventually it failed. Yes. Uh, they did not even do the website. I don't know whether that is a good thing or a bad thing. Mm, but, uh, yes, they did not even do the website. Mm. And uh, there was no communication. But we do not blame them to date. But we you know, see, they, they told us they have built the framework. Mm. They wanted us to, to find the, the initial content of the website. Exactly. Because we wanted to, to connect agents. And a very uh, and a one big brand, mm-hmm. so so many agents will go under one brand, so that clients can trust the agents. Some some buy rent yeah. Kenya sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Back then, buy rent Kenya was not there by the way yeah. back then. So uh, we were not we did not have what it takes to propel the brand. So yeah. eventually it failed and we lost the entire amount. So I was just adding on your point, even from from the employer's point of view. You must know what you're doing as you get the freelancers. Mm. So it's a two-way thing. Mm-hmm. I come to you as a freelancer, you need to have a clear vision that you can work with. If I'm the one who is feeding your vision all the time, eh? well, it's my work, but I cannot, we cannot work like that uh, throughout. At some point, we will not be motivated enough as the employer to, to do whatever is required so as to, to, to keep the and vision there, moving. I think it also comes back to, as an as employer, you have to try first. Mm. Before you, you, you start connecting 100 rested agents, yes. are you an agent yourself? Yes. Have you tried it? Does it work? Yes. Yeah, because 
it's a model that you have to try first and understand it. Mm. If you're employing people to do a specific job, at least do it first. Mm. And yeah, yeah that's a big lesson that. Yes, yes. yes. And so, to add on that, mm. I think you can you can all contribute to this point. And it's the nature of the business that you are hiring a freelancer for. Mm-hmm. Remember, there's this time I tried. Uh, I tried freelancing on developing forex trading indicators for clients. Mm. And if anyone has traded forex, Jimmy, I know you have. Mm. I don't know if you guys have tried. <laughs> you realize that it's yeah. a uh, not yet. Oh. It's very personal. You know, your strategy is your own. Mm. You're the one who looks at these charts every day and you realize like when this line bends this way and this line goes up this way and this graph looks like this, it's time to trade. Mm. And it's very difficult for a client to explain the way they look at the chart to you. And they, you'll do your best that you can and you'll create this indicator for them and you send it to them and it's not working the way they want it to work and they're like, so pissed at you, they're giving you very negative ratings, they don't want to pay you. <laughs> and I can't build what you're telling me to build, you know? Yeah. So on this part, I actually I, I, I figured out very, very fast that it was a mistake mm-hmm. on both ends. Mm. For me, I was trying to freelance in a field that it's impossible for the client to explain their vision. And the clients were hiring freelancers with the vision that they can't even explain themselves. You know, it, it happens a lot. Mm. Uh, I've thought of it. Eh? Mm. It happens a lot even in the local setting. Someone tells you, I know, I know you have experienced the same if you do websites. Eh? Mm. The client tells you, I need a nice website. They don't know what they want. Yeah. They just need a nice website. <laughs> yeah. I need you to make to to do a nice design. <laughs> you take it to them, they reject. No, you can do better. No, you can do better. So, uh, that is a big, big problem for 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 freelancers. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then also, I mean, I think when we think of the word freelancer, we think of someone working in isolation. But as I get older and move further along in my career. Um, I'm starting to understand the importance of team dynamics. Yes. But at the same time, being self-aware to know what you're weak at. Yes. So if I'm a freelancer, maybe let's just, um, in the case of software developers, someone mm. contracts you to design a website. Mm. Um, it's You're not the creative director, you're not an artist, you're not the back-end person. Like, you can't be everything. True. Mm. It's okay to outsource or to ask for advice in terms of wireframing, it's okay to say, okay, fine, if I'm building unit tests, mm. maybe I'm not the strongest person to build the functionality, I can ask for help, mm-hmm. and then also now compensate people for the contribution that they've made. So I think maybe the question I have is, when you're looking to work in a team or you've been contracted work and you're looking for partners, mm. what do you look for? Not necessarily you looking for or choosing a client or you... Um, choosing to hire a freelancer, but when you're partnering now with people who have similar skill sets, do you look at their personality? Because I think it's important to work with yes. people that you get along with. They don't have to be the strongest person um, technically, mm-hmm. but someone you can actually manage um, stress with or you can, you can, I guess, manage conflict with. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys look for? Do you look for someone who's funny and will like, make you laugh mm-hmm. when things get up? Do you look for someone older who's more experienced or someone younger who's able to um, generate new ideas? What do you guys um, look out for? Uh, personally, I think that applies more to me. Eh? So if I come to you as a brand, I cannot do everything. Yeah. Personally, I'm not good at uh, doing graphics, so yeah. I have to get someone to do graphics. I'm not good at websites, I have to get someone to do the websites. And a few other things, I'm not a very nice creative writer, I have to get some someone to do the creative writing. So um, 
I'll put it as a this is a big challenge right now, especially for me, mm. because I go I opt for freelancers. Those are the people that I'm able to pay based because I cannot do full time employees right now. So I go for freelancers, and the biggest thing right now what I look for is uh, reliability. Mm. Mm. People are not reliable, to be honest. You get a freelancer. Today they do they do a nice design. You know it's the best person. They'll do they'll give you nice designs. Then tomorrow you tell them oh, you you do like a week program. You want this design on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They give you one design. Tomorrow they are not there. <laughs> <laughs> then I, I've realized it's it's a big problem. You change, you get another designer. The same problem recurs. Uh, it boils down to to f- the nature of freelancers. Mm. People are not serious; they do not take their work seriously. And but the biggest problem is um, people only think of money. I get this money. I want this money right now. I do this gig. I get the money and move on. Free, most of the freelancers are not uh, futuristic. Futuristic. I would say this: eh? freelancing in Kenya has been taken as a side hustle. Mm. Few people take it seriously as the main hustle. Mm. So when I'm looking for someone, I look for someone who has taken it up as a main hustle. You're serious about it. I know I can call you anytime and you give me the, the designs. But uh, unfortunately, I have few of those available. Mm. Yes. It's like they are they're giving their time to the highest bidder. Yes, mm. yes, yes. Today they are working to for you. <laughs> then somebody comes in with a with a better paying the job. Yeah. They forget about you. Yeah. Mm. Then when that job is over, the money they have to spend of the money, they, start they remember they were working for you. Mm. Then they are coming back. Mm. Yeah, it's a very it's a cycle that your freelancers do in Kenya. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. I think it's just for entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Okay. First of all. It's a business. You're you're there for the money. But again, as a person, I value relationships. And um, in most cases, when I pick up on a client and I feel you are a good fit, we are going to last for the longest time possible. So I value relationships as much as I value money. If you come in today and I see you're going to have a nice relationship with you as a client, I'm going to put you as my. I'm going to prioritize uh, your work, but again, the people who come are not very serious. They they want you to do things for them, and um, they're not ready to commit themselves. Like, how much will you be charging? Uh, am I comfortable paying this, or they are not okay with the amount that uh, you're charging them? So. Even if you're going to start working, you'll not be my priority because there are relationships that I've already built and I cannot uh, ruin them for short-term gains. Yes. Uh, to ask you a question, yes. have you ever had a situation where you had a client that approached you prematurely? Like their business is not ready for the mm-hmm. amount of push they want you to make. Have you ever found yourself in such a situation? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, prematurely with money? <laughs> <laughs> or if it's with money, they, they have the money. Sure. They have the money. That is the question. Yeah. No, like no. Okay, right now, mm. I hope they'll not hear this. I have, mm. <laughs> I have a client. Eh? Mm. Uh, I think they came to me prematurely, yeah. mm. 
and uh, I've not been very engaging with them. Actually, uh, for, he's he's a close friend to me. So I won't mention the industry, but uh, the idea is not yet is not yet viable. You see what happens eh? when a client approaches you prematurely. They have other concerns because they, they are dealing with other things. They not give you the 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 attention that you need. They not give you the money that you need. They not give you the the resources that you need because they 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 have other things that they are working on. For example, if if it's in the real estate sector, I just mentioned the the industry. <laughs> probably you do not. Uh, probably you are selling land. Yeah. You are yet to acquire your land fully, the land that you want to subdivide and sell, but you're here, you want us to put up a brand. It's doable, of course, yeah. to, to do a pre-launch and all that, to have a brand that is already existing. But in most cases, I've had such scenarios, mm. two scenarios. So in most cases, you'll find that the, those people, their, their effort is somewhere else. You don't know what you're pushing, you do not have a physical product. You do not know their values too well. You do not know. Even if you're the one who is creating them, uh, at the end of the day, it drags to, like, I have two people. Same scenario. Yeah. They have dragged into, how many months? There's one, yeah, almost four months. Yeah. Actually, just sent me a message when you, right now. Mm. And then there's another one. Now, this is the three, the, the, the third month. And... Uh, so if, if someone approaches you prematurely, that is something I'm also learning. And uh, I'm thankful. Jimmy Jimmy teaches me. He's more hardcore. Mm. He's able to say no very fast. Mm. So I'm also learning to say no to such people because they'll waste your time. Exactly. And these are the very people that will not appreciate your effort at the end of the day. Mm. And they are the very people that will not pay you. And, you say, yes. and if they do, they are looking for the cheapest bargain yes, possible. Yes, yes. Actually, to be honest, those, those yeah. three people, mm. they have never given me, whatever we agreed, they have mm. never paid mm. to this far. I just order to them because I see they have a vision, although it's not very clear, but at the end of the day, it doesn't make sense for me as a creative. You have to let them go. Mm. Yes. Mm. But I think it, it's important to have like those one, two, three clients who Mm. You know that thing about 80% of your money will come from 20%, 20%. Yeah, Very true. The Very cheapest true. clients have the most expensive demands. Yeah, Very yes, true. That was a very powerful <laughs> tweet. Yeah, <laughs> premature clients, please don't <laughs> Yes. Not available for yeah. business. Mm. Do not contact me. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. All right. So any final questions for our guests? Uh, or parting shots from you guys, like oh, what do you, what, what sort of like final words of advice or wisdom do you have for young freelancers, young creatives in the industry that are looking to venture into this business and get some clients or hire some freelancers? Okay, mm. uh, let me start from the freelancing side. Eh? Mm. I would say the first thing is learn to package yourself. Mm. Learn to package yourself. Mm. Uh, Show some seriousness when you're approaching clients. Make sure you're prepared, always prepared for presentations. Mm. There's one thing I believe. When I get a client, when I, narrow, I zero down on you and I'm ready to do a presentation, I do my research well. I make the best presentation possible. And 90% of the times, by the time we are done with the presentation, you, you'll be my client. Mm. So research on your clients, be ready for them. 
and uh, as you approach them then as a freelancer um i don't like this thing of doing freelancing as a side gig mm-hmm. always expecting something better to come along the way right. mm-hmm. yeah. if you need be in it yeah. specialize on what you're doing and do it do it to your level best mm-hmm. and uh if you focus on your gig as a freelancer i know people are making millions from article writing mm-hmm. i know people are making millions from youtube i know people are making millions from uh brand management so it's you to package yourself and focus on that one thing don't view it as a side hustle don't let uh, a thought that you you have a second thought that is telling you something good something better is coming in the future mm-hmm. know that this is the best thing you have right now and put all your efforts into it mm-hmm. yes yeah i would also emphasize on what he's saying focus on on what you're doing especially the creatives it's much easier dealing with a creative who let's say i'm hiring a designer for a t-shirt this designer has tried selling t-shirts himself or herself mm. they 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 have a slight understanding of what kind of design sells how to design but you'll find another person is a much better designer than this one but they have no idea what to do mm. so they will create a very good design but you can't put it on a t-shirt. Yeah, that's a nice mm. point. It's the same thing. Mm. Even I think even in coding is the same. Mm. If you find a coder who has done a specific job, maybe some maybe it's a can be a hobby. Like maybe you've decided to do medical coding. You've started you've tried coding something that will solve a specific medical problem. So you understand what what to do. Then somebody who can code and then you you employ them to do a medical code and they have no idea. You know beyond the coding you have to understand what the end product will be. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I think that's something that people don't put mm. a, mm. enough emphasis on. Mm. The domain that you're operating. Yeah, mm. at least try try to be to be more involved in the end product. Yes. Yeah. End to end. Yeah. True. Yeah, uh we had the former guest called Scott Mm-hmm. and he he was previously yeah, a friend of ours actually yeah he's a friend <laughs> of ours actually yeah. he's the co-founder of github yeah. <laughs> and chatterbug yes. and he he heard this very powerful quote that he kept iterating even in the talk that he had after and he was saying that be the consumer of your own product yeah, mm. yeah? it's called dog fooding yeah dog food yeah. yeah 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 and i feel like as creatives that's a motto we should we should we should i think we should believe in yeah. like yes. if you want to build people's websites build, build your own, your own yeah. you know yeah. if you want to write medical codes right. contribute in a so in an open source software if you don't want to build your own from the very down like mm. be a consumer of your own product yeah so mm. i think on that bombshell <laughs> mm. we can say that this was a was a great uh, episode of the podcast Yep. Oh, I heard you had a question. Um it would be awesome if they could leave like a place where people oh, can yeah, reach yeah. them. Yeah. Mm. In case they have social media, Twitter, questions for numbers, all of that. No, don't give for numbers. Do you see personal branding or yeah. a design they can use for their book? Um we don't do that. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> uh, if if you've listened to my story well, mm-hmm. I try avoid I avoid dealing with people so so directly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah, mm. but if if you think you're a good designer, mm. Yeah, you can contact the podcast my brother is here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can reach us yeah. through Victor. True, yeah. Shoot shoot, okay. a, shoot a direct email to Moringa Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll see it and I'll forward it to the relevant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That applies to me too. 
Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Especially yes. the, if somebody is doing print on demand in Kenya, I'll be very interested in connecting with those kind of people. Yeah. Mm. I've never met anybody. Mm. And it's a very, it's an emerging market. Mm. And I'm sure it will, de- it will disturb the manufacturing marketing with time. Mm. It's mm. very young, mm. but it's very promising. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Guys, thank yes. you so much. Mm. I've so much about creativity, about network uh, marketing, about mm. knowing when to say no, freelancing. Brand yourself. management. Um, I think I think you guys should write a book. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. Um, I hope you guys can come back. Yeah. Yeah. I'll drag them again. I had to drag them this time, so <laughs> I'll do it again. Yeah. Mm. You're welcome back. Mm. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, thanks, guys. All right. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in and have a nice time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.